Hey friends, thanks for tuning in to the Church Planner Podcast. Before we started today, wanted to tell you about a really special opportunity. Our friends at the Micro Church Conference put on by Brave Future, um, happening April 18th through the 20th in Kansas City. This is for all of you who are wondering what is a new kind of paradigm for missional church planting and church multiplication through smaller expressions of church, what they call rediscovering the smaller way. It's happening April 18th through the 20th. Kansas City is being hosted by Kansas City Underground. It's going to be a great weekend. And they've given us four free registrations to give away. Normally the price is $90, but we will get you into the conference for free. We have four of those. What you can do to enter is go on our Instagram at Church Planter Podcast. And there you'll find um, a, a DM button. Click that DM button. Send us a DM with your email on it and your name and where you serve. So email, name, where you serve, and you'll be entered to win one of four micro church conference registrations. You just get yourself to Kansas City and uh, you can be there and learn a ton from our friends at Brave Futures. Hope you enjoy the show today. The illustrious Jabba bids you welcome. <laughs> I'm going to regret this. I'm Pete Mitchell. He's Peyton Jones. And this is the Church Planner Podcast, brought to you by Church Planner Magazine. Hey, Church Planner, this is Pete Mitchell. And this is Peyton Jones. Coming to us from his, I don't even know if it's your car. I actually have no idea where you are. Where are you? I am deep in the deep south. I am in Atlanta, Georgia. The ATL represents, and I am making my way to uh, the airport to fly me home. Nice. Nice. I've heard about Atlanta. Yeah, it's a, it's a little place that... that gets me fat let's just put it that way <laughs> if i lived here man i would be like 400 pounds no joke the food here is incredible and it's soul food and southern cooking and biscuits with your butter on your grits on your lard i'm telling you it's amazing <laughs> Horse gump was from here but he was skinny you would be uh you'd be pete size i got gotcha. you i understand what you're saying super size me that's all that needs to happen is for me to move here it was cool because I actually was, uh, I've had a bad week. You know, my mom almost died. And uh, so I, you know, I had to rush over to see her, but I was scheduled to be in Atlanta for some meetings, which I pretty much missed most of them. Uh, but in the last 24 hours, I've been in nonstop meetings. But as I'm heading back now, it's funny because um, I went to NAM headquarters this morning to meet with somebody for a meeting. And uh, my buddy Tim Wheat, executive director, awesome dude. And we're putting together a, uh, internship course for church planners on missional engagement. And he takes me into this boardroom and it, he goes, Hey, we can write on this wall. Now I've never seen this before. It's a wall. It just looks like a normal wall and you can write all over it. So there's all these markers, man. It was so fun. I felt like I was, cause it's a, a totally executive boardroom. Looks normal, looks expensive. And all of a sudden, you just get to take out markers and color all over the walls. 
It was awesome. I hmm. felt like I was tagging and advancing the kingdom of God at the same time. It's a one-two punch. <laughs> yeah, I, you know, and I had to resist the urge to put bathroom graffiti on it. Oh, that would have been inappropriate. Yeah, yeah. Hey, did I tell you everything that's gone wrong at my house? No, but it sounds like... Hey, hold on, hold on, hold on. Boy, are your dogs barking. I'm in the car. Normally, Pete and I think that's pretty funny to talk like Midwestern old people sitting on the front porch. Boy, my dog barking. Talking about your kneecaps are... I don't know if it's kneecaps. You know, I'm, I, this is filler, by the way. Pete's probably going to edit all this out. But I'm still talking. Anyways, because it's better than sitting here. Driving to Atlanta Airport. Jeopardy. The Jeopardy tune goes through my head in moments like this. Like, automatically. I don't even have to think. Do, 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 do. That's just part of being in my brain. Thinking like a cartoon. Pete, you back? Are you just listening? You listening in on my my private musings? Oh man! So Pete's dog, no kidding. Pete has a, a he has pit bulls, and one of them uh, jumps over. I can't remember how high. Like Pete's fence in the fence in the backyard is seriously something like he'll tell you this like 12, 13 feet high, something like that. Because no matter how high they would they would build the fence, the dog would literally jump it so he's got this massively high fence in his backyard so his dog can't jump up it's so funny dog still tries still tries to jump up and he's got these vines growing up so the dog starts like clawing at the vines trying to get over so i don't know maybe maybe he's maybe he's pulling his dog off the wall i don't know i can't see him so i gotta i gotta imagine things and that's dangerous so what about them nfl games huh those boys sure can't play football this is the boringest smack talk ever, Pete. Hurry up and come back. Can't have one side of smack talk. What would Pete and I normally talk about if this were smack talk? What would we say? I'd be like, uh, Pete will tell a funny story. Then he'll get mad at someone and give us a low review. Then I'll talk about something that happened in my life. Then we'll, oh, Mogan. We'll do Mogan. Today's show is brought to you by Mogan. M-O-G-I-V. And uh, if you don't have MoGiv, that means you have less give. So you need to head on over to MoGiv.com forward slash church. Because MoGiv is a cheap and affordable online giving platform for new and growing churches. See, I could do this ad in my seat. I've heard it so many times. But uh, we do want to give a shout out to Kent Woodyard who uh, was our partner in crime, first signed us up to Mogan. He has moved on to other things, and we have a new guest. We don't know who he is, so we can't get paid yet for sponsoring. So, they're pit bulls. Are you there? Do that. Yeah, I'm here. Hey, Pete. Sorry about that, man. Welcome back to the podcast. I've already done the Mogan ad. <laughs> have you been doing the podcast while I was gone? I have. <laughs> I told him the story about it. Ricky and Lucy. I told him, I'm telling you, I've been just. Are you serious? To, you don't want me to cut. I, <laughs> I can you cut can that out. If you want, but I filled the time, brother. <laughs> <laughs> you did. 
you did this. I knew this. you were on a tight schedule today, so I just kept rolling. Plus, I'm on my way to the airport. Oh, you did the smack talk without me. That's hilarious. I had to imagine our smack talk, so I told a story about your dog climbing the fence. How high is that fence, by the way? Uh, I think now it's 10 or 11 feet. We had to keep taking I, I it higher. 13. It could have it, well, as parts of it are because the ivy grows really high. Like eight wasn't high enough, so we had to take it up higher. So here's the funny thing about Pete and his dog. If you buy Pete Pete's kids anything, you really bought the dog a cheap. <laughs> it's true. It's true. <laughs> oh my god! What's so funny to me is what are we going to talk about in Smack Talk today? I know we don't normally plan like. People probably don't realize we just get on here and talk. Like no, I think they do real realize that. <laughs> What's that? I think they do realize that now. <laughs> you think so? <laughs> so uh, we, we did have something that you were telling me. And I'm like, you, you need to say that for smack talk this week. I don't even remember what that was. What I was going to say though has I have I told you everything that's gone wrong on my house? No. Okay, so my skylight has been leaking. But, you know, frankly, oh, yeah, it's... you did. You did, remember? Because I, I quoted Glengarry Ross to you. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Glengarry like, Ross. I don't have any food in my coffee. I don't have any. And I'm like, coffee's for closers. That's right. <laughs> yeah. So we, we, we had to have our skylight fixed, which it hasn't rained in California in like five years. And so all of a sudden we have it fixed and like the skies unleash. <laughs> so you, you've been gone, oh. but this week has been amazing downpour so um and i love the rain so i'm kind of mad i know every time i travel it rains back home i gotta tell you when when it rains i get into a special zone remember i lived in wales for 12 years and rained up my creative juices unlock like i feel like a frog in the rain man i dig it man you're a californian oh no but you don't like californians you're like me you probably like the rain. Oh, I love the rain. I love. In fact, I bought a whole. Skin. I bought a whole bunch of cigars just for the rain. So I'm like, ooh, I got to get outside. Oh, you smoke in the rain outside? Well, underneath a cover, I'm. I'm not like sitting in the rain. Oh, so that's not like that thing where you fill your underwear with oatmeal and go outside under the pale moonlight. What are you talking LA? about? Like that? Where did this come from? What? No. I wonder what you're talking about. What are you talking about? Hey, so what was wrong with your dog? Because that was like a marathon. Oh. You're like, bring it Lucy, come here, and then slam, and then I can see you. Okay. So this time I couldn't see you, and you were gone forever. What happened? Okay, so our Welcome heater broke. Talk. Welcome to the podcast, everybody. <laughs> we talk about church planning. Eventually, we'll get to our topic today. The topic is, uh, we're going to talk a little bit about fifth leadership again. So we're starting a series on the gifts. But we need to start off with that. So I got that out of the way. And we've done Mogif. So sorry, man. So I like it. I like it. So, yeah, yeah our, our heater broke like two and a half weeks ago. And there's there's kind of an interesting little thing going on. One, I am insanely cheap <laughs> whenever I can be. <laughs> and so I have preferred for us to freeze rather than fix our heater, right? Because I'm just cheap, cheap. And then it was also the holidays. So we couldn't even get people to call us back, right? It was that week in between Christmas and New Year's. And and so finally, um, I just I go on to Yelp and I'm like, all right, who's got the highest rating? Because you know, it's a big deal, right? And and I told Jamie, I go, I guarantee you these guys are gonna say what? 
I was muted. Sorry, I coughed in your digital face. I know. I could tell. I was like, oh, that's my Peyton. Oh. And, and, um, I miss him. So, so, uh, finally, you know, I go into Yelp, I call someone up, they come out, and I told Jamie beforehand, I go, I bet you anything they're going to say, you need a new furnace. Like, I'm just telling you right now, no matter who comes out here, that's what they're going to say. So, uh, they come out here, and sure enough, they go, oh, you know what? Uh, you need a new furnace. <laughs> so, I'm expecting it to be like outrageously expensive. So when the guy tells me it's like 1895 with labor, I'm like, okay, shut up, stop selling, put in a new heater. Like I'm tired of freezing. Just put in the new heater. Wait, then, so I, I don't buy heaters normally. Um, are like they're two grand? I figured they would be more with labor. I mean, I was looking at some Ooh. people on Yelp and they're like, this guy charges five grand, this guy charges eight grand. So I mean, my head was like way way higher meanwhile our plumbing is shot and so the day before i had the plumbing guy come out and he's like um all right it's going to be basically four grand to fix our plumbing because they got to dig underneath the the slab replace a pipe i mean it's like it's a major deal right so yesterday the heater guy's out and uh today (laughs) this is the best man (laughs) Jamie wakes up at 545 every day and our bathroom is, it's in our bedroom, right? It's, you know, it's, we've got an attached bathroom or whatever you call it. And I just hear her going off. Like my wife does not go off. She's very kind to me in the morning. She lets me sleep and she's like, this water's cold. It's freezing. What's going on? And she's just like losing it. <laughs> and so I'm just like, hmm, okay, this will be fun. So it turns out something happened when they were installing the heater. The gas must have shut off. So we had no water heater. And so I haven't even taken my shower yet today because I'm like, dude, I'm not getting in the cold water. That's just forget it. I'm not doing it. And uh, and that's what you heard was the guy literally came up to my back door because I called him this morning. I'm like, hey, you know what? Uh, you guys worked on my heater yesterday and today my water heater's off. What's up? And I don't know how to relight it because I don't know how to do that stuff. I pay people for that stuff, right? And so, yeah. literally, the guy came and knocked on my back door right then. That's why my dogs went off. Dude, lighting a, a hot water heater is kind of scary. Have you seen all the stickers they put on? No! Warning! Danger, Will Robinson! It's scary, dude. It's like, turn this off and call the police. Well, what you got to understand is ours is um, probably 30 years old. <laughs> I mean, it's like... Oh, dude, dude. See, they don't build crap like they used to. Like, now, the one that you just put in... It's going to die in about five years. That's what happened. 10-year warranty. If it dies, they're coming back out and replacing it. It's still going to die. They're just going to be like, hey, uh, it's covered by a warranty, but it's still going to die. That's how it works. Probably. Probably. Yeah. No, I, I'm with you on that. And then on top of all of that, our refrigerator's broken. Our oven's been broken for like six years, but my wife doesn't cook, so it's never really mattered. And, um, so and that's a true story, I, by I the way. I ran away and lived with my dad, with my brother. That's exactly what his house was like, except it was because me and my brother were living there. We oh, broke every nice. appliance that poor man owned. Our uh, our dishwasher's broken. Our um our microwave broke years ago, and so now it's got it was like a, a built in microwave, right? So now there's this big hole oh. in the cabinet and a little tiny microwave in there because I'm too cheap to buy one that'll fit. And I'm like I'm like <laughs> looking at my house, going, man, I am just the cheapest guy out there in the world, like. I will not spend money on things that are actually necessary. 
I can't believe your wife's letting you get away with that. Well, you know what it stems from? It stems from when we were broke as a joke and she knew we didn't have the money. So she kind of doesn't push me on money because she's just like, well, you know, I know we may not have it. And I'm like, yeah, you keep thinking that you keep thinking that. (laughs) But you know, the day that the hundred inch TV screen breaks. Oh, oh, dude. True story, man. Every two years, I buy a new $2,000 projector. I'm like, nope, nope, it's time for a new projector. I'm just, and I like, I don't even, like, that's an expense. That's not an expense. That is an investment in my marriage. (laughs) That's what that is. It is a necessity. I love it, man. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, so yeah, so now, so now I have a new heater. My wife was very happy because now it's even got like one of these timer things on it. So she goes out about six fifteen in the morning, and the front room's already toasty. And she's like, "Yeah, it was oh. awesome." So that's yeah. sweet, man. It is. It's pretty so cool. I have this old. Uh, so I live in a nineteen fifties beach cottage, right? And it's funny, man. My my boiler's new. But my my heating unit unit is I think it's called something like an Atlas or something. It's old, dude. Like it's 1950s. It's got the old 19. My stove. You've been to my house. Yeah. My stove is like that that pink 1950s oven. It's stove range, copper hood. But I mean, see, those things will retro. last forever. Because I used to have one of those at a, a house I rented. Those things will. I mean, dude, th- those are built to it's last. The best oven. It's yeah. the best oven I've ever had. And I'm telling you, like, but my thermostat was like, it was this copper 1950s disc. It looked all like kind of futuristic, like, you know, like old school land of tomorrow at Disneyland. It was pretty cool. And uh, then it kind of broke off the wall. So it's covered with duct tape. Uh, (laughs) 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 It's so ghetto. And so anyways, my boiler, but the the fan that, um, that, that, powers my heating it has ball bearings in it like it's this ancient like rotary um motor that's like mounted to the wood inside of the 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 cabinet you know the the water the water heater cabinet whatever you call the boiler cabinet and it is so funny man it gets going it's like and it and it screeches sometimes the ball bearings haven't uh been replaced or whatever dude it is it is funny it used to shake and it would shake that part of the house and then we had to nice had to maintenance it but when the guy opened the the, the cabinet you know our first year there he he comes out to replace the boiler and he's like oh <laughs> <laughs> he's like i haven't seen one of these in a long time <laughs> And, and, you know, of all the things, you know, you look at me and you see how scarred up I am. And, you know, I'm accident prone, man. There's no doubt, right? I don't even do extreme sports. I don't need to. I got, I got enough injuries where I don't, I don't have to do extreme sports. But I'm telling you, man, the thing that's going to kill me is that thing. That mm. thing's going to blow up and kill me. For sure. Nice. I already know. I already see the day of my death. I, I know when it's happening. <laughs> the rough range so oh man i just i can't believe like how everything on this stinking house has just gone wrong and gone bad but i mean part of it is you know we've lived here for 11 years and haven't done a single thing to it so i mean 
Most of our church planners are listening going, I wish I had those things to break. No, an oven, a refrigerator, I mean, a dishwasher. <laughs> I always tell my wife, I'm like, I have a dishwasher. It's called you. <laughs> yeah, that doesn't that doesn't go over as well as I'd like it to. <laughs> but... <laughs> no, that never goes. Yeah, well. no, it, it's been a money pit, but I'm actually feeling pretty good because uh, what? Are, oh, okay. Here's here's the other thing. All right, so February, I got to fly all over the country. I'm speaking at a whole bunch of different places, and. Uh, the second or the first full week of February, I'm gone the whole week, right? I'm I'm literally in Tampa and Arizona. I'm I'm all over, and um, so a buddy of mine is putting on an event February first through third, and I really want to go to it. And that's the week before, and you know, being gone for a week is a long time, especially when you got a five year old and a two year old, because then you're like leaving the kids all on one person's shoulders, right? Yeah. And so um, I I like I go to Jamie, I go, hey, you know, there's this thing on February 1st through 3rd. I really want to go to it, but, you know, I can get out of it because I'm gone the whole next week. And I, that stuff I can't get out of because that's that's money making stuff. And right. uh, and and I go, can, can I go? And she's like, oh, man, that is a lot. And, uh, uh. and she goes, OK, I want a new floor, a new kitchen and a purse. <laughs> Because if you'll get me those three things, you can go. And I go, okay, as long as I don't have to do them all at once, I'm down. <laughs> so That's awesome, dude. I love that negotiator. So you married a negotiator. Well done. My mother-in-law says, uh, and this is a true story. Like you mentioned, you got duct tape and we're looking all ghetto there with the your, your appliance. Um, when Jamie met me, I had this pair of shorts that I loved. And I was too cheap to buy a new pair, but it was ripped on the butt. And so I literally had to duct tape my shorts every time I washed no them. Way. Yeah. So everyone knew me on From campus. The inside, they're they're like, right? it's the From dude the with the... like you didn't you didn't have duct Oh no, tape no, 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 no. On the outside. No, dude, I ain't doing it on the inside. Oh. I don't want cold tape what? against my thigh. Are you kidding me? So yeah, and and, and so her mom, her mom described us. Very accurately, I might say, as uh, Nordstrom meets Walmart. <laughs> Guess which one Dude, I am. That is awesome. That's no, that's Nordstrom meets swap me. <laughs> that's 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 Nordstrom's meets dirty jobs with that's, Mike Rowe. That's below Walmart, my brother. You can't go much <laughs> much lower than Walmart, but you, that's swap me, brother. <laughs> that's swap me. <laughs> oh my gosh so we should probably actually get on with our topic shouldn't we okay okay but one last thing one last thing i did think of you last night i parked my car and uh i was at the hotel i park i pull up and there's this car next to me and you know how like people have in the back seat they've got their shirts hanging up and uh so i <laughs> i look over and there's an orange shirt and there's a blue shirt and there's a white and blue striped shirt my first thought was, I'm going to take a picture of that and send it to Pete with the caption, I park next to a redhead. <laughs> <laughs> Why would you say that? Those were all your colors. Not, I mean, that could have been your car. It was like not orange. all of his colors not orange. had to do with being a, No, I, I thought you could wear orange. N look, no, we don't wear. Well, okay, I can wear orange. Yeah, okay, I can. I just don't. Really, it it's pink and red. You look. You know how, like, when you see the cartoon pictures of, like, fire, and then there's that little piece of fire jumping up? Like, you know, it gives the illusion of action and movement, like the fire's really hot and it's 
flaring up from itself. That's the effect if you wear an orange shirt. But it totally works, dude. It works for fire. It'll work for redheads. I used to have a great topic now. I I should. (laughs) I used to have a great (laughs) orange flannel shirt, and I loved that shirt. It was from the Gap. It was one of my favorite shirts, and I think some chick. Wanted to date me. I was working at a summer camp and like she took the ch- shirt. It was like one of those, oh, I'm going to wear a peach shirt thing. And I'm like, uh, you chick, you took my I'm favorite gonna, shirt. I'm, you know what she did with it? She didn't wear it. She made it into her pillowcase. <laughs> so every night she could smell you. <laughs> That's not a good thing, man. You do not. No, wanna... <laughs> no, no. It's not. Especially when you're jamming around with shorts with duct tape on them. <laughs> Oh my god! Let's put it this way: you did really well with Jamie. You did really well, dude. If you guys saw my wife, you'd be like, seriously, like literally. When I meet new people, or like I work with people, and all of a sudden they meet my wife, they're like, "Wow, she's really attractive." I'm like, "Well, yeah. What did you think?" (laughs) But it's not what you would think of when you think of me. Pete got a pretty girl to marry him. Pete got a pretty girl to talk to him. That's what they're thinking. (laughs) It's like who framed Roger Rabbit. He makes me laugh. Well, usually what I tell everyone is when they look at me kind of funny like that, I just, I preemptively look at them and I go, salesman. (laughs) Just (laughs) leave it at that. (laughs) So, yeah. Yeah, but we should actually get on with our topic because after this call, I actually have another call with a church planner who's uh, thinking about joining the old uh, Bivo consulting uh, program that I got. So, and he was funny because he goes, uh, "We had to reschedule it." And I go, "Oh, I got the podcast that I'm recording right before the call." He goes, "Oh, good." Uh, so that way, when I listen to the podcast, and you go, "Oh, I gotta go because I got another call," I'll know you're talking about me. So, Daniel, there All you right, go. I'm talking about you. There you go. Give us 15 minutes of Andy Warhol fame. And and by the way, Daniel, I'll be talking about you on next week's podcast when you don't sign up. So just, you know, Ooh. putting a little pressure on you. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Mm. <laughs> Could you imagine? I'm going to guilt you into signing up for this. Now open up your checkbook. <laughs> that is awesome. Yeah. All right. Well, cool. Hey, guys, today's topic is on... The, oh man, dang it. Okay, so I'm I'm driving through um, Atlanta and I'm passing Varsity, the uh, the restaurant. It's very famous. Drivers, diners, drive-ins, and dives. I'm starving by heading at the airport. I'm more of a that, JV that, kind that, of a guy, but that's cool. That pains me. It actually brings me physical pain because I'm hungry. To drive past it? So, okay. Yeah, I'm, I, I can't stop. You know, it's like, it's like, uh, the blues brothers on a, I'm on a mission from God or Pee Wee Herman. I'm a loner, daddy, a rebel. It didn't really fit, but I want to quote Pee Wee Herman. So, okay. So, uh, guys, our topic today is on fist leadership. Now we have talked about fist leadership before. I wrote a little book called church zero cha-ching about it. And you should never, ever plant alone. It's like drinking. You should never drink alone. You should never plant alone. The reason that we know this is Jesus sent people out two by two. But beyond that, he also trained 12 apostles who did a team church plant in Jerusalem. And then Paul, from then on, he began to move sometimes with as many as eight guys at a time planting. And when I say guys, just know I'm from the 80s. 
So when I say guys, it's kind of like, hey, you guys, like from the electric company in the 70s. But guys is kind of a generic term for people of my generation. It does mean male and female. Because if you read Romans 16, Paul mentions all of his church planner partners from the years previous that have all coalesced into Rome. And, you know, almost a third of them are women. So Paul had, and he says, you know, my fellow worker, you know, my, my partner in the gospel, he uses these terms for women as well. And of course, if you're a church planner, you know that your wife already is your uh, church planning partner. And uh, Paul says, hey, do I not have the right to take along a believing wife like Peter does? So Peter's ministry partner was his wife. And Priscilla and Aquila uh, planted together with Paul. They were his partners. And, um, and at the end of the day, guys, here's the deal, though. What I'm talking about is forming teams. And yes, teams of male and female. Don't be male-centric about this, right? The, the, the females are more involved than many churches will ever let them be. And they may not give it a name or what have you, but, but women are very active in church planning. So here's the deal. Um, we want to talk a little bit about this leadership because what we're going to do is we're going to start a series on the gifts of the Holy Spirit because we want to talk about the gifts in church planning. Um, some of you know I've got a book coming out called Reaching the Unreached, Becoming Raiders of a Lost Art. Cha-ching! It's going to be published uh, by Zonerman releases in May, and uh, when it comes out, it's going to be the best book that ever lived this <laughs> season, but, but it, it really is. It, you know, Church Zero is kind of more about the uh, the church planner team, you know, um, the team, the, the, the five gifts, the apostle, uh, the, the prophet, the evangelist, the shepherd, the teacher. I'm doing this podcast while I'm driving through downtown Atlanta, so... Um, bear with me here if I, if, if I hiccup mentally. But, but basically, that's what that book is about. But the point of Acts chapter 4, 10 and 11, where that, that verse is found, isn't about those five guys. The focus, and this is the focus of my next book, is really on the next part where he says that those five roles or gifts or however you want to term it would equip the saints to do the work of the ministry. And so really what's important to know is that every believer has gifts. And so really as a church planner, when you're doing it right, you're mobilizing your entire team. And, and, and by team, I mean just everybody. It doesn't mean that they have to have be one of those five roles. <laughs> those five roles in my book are leadership roles within your church plan. And not everybody's a leader, right? I mean, once everybody be, becomes a leader... Uh, then there is no leadership. And so I see that, you know, uh, if everyone's a leader, nobody's a leader. Mm. So uh, what happens is that, you know, you've got these five roles, and it says to equip the saints. And what he's saying is that's to equip every believer to do the work of the ministry. And so I want to talk today, before we head into that, and we understand it theologically, missionally, practically, I want to talk about what is this leadership? And, um, I, you know, there's different takes on those verses and those roles. Some people think that those uh, roles stopped, the apostle, the prophet, the evangelist, and that those roles, I, I wrote a whole apologetic about this, Church Zero, cha-ching, you can, that's the rule, we have to say cha-ching, 
you can get the book. I'd actually like you to get the book. So you can read the apologetic of why I think those are for today. I'm not going to spend the podcast doing that because I spent a few months writing about it. But, uh, but today I really want to shoot into what is it and, and why is it important? And so last week, if you remember, we talked quantity versus quality. And one of the cool things that we brought out of that is the only way really to ensure quality is to do team leadership, right? You can't be a one-man band as a leader and do everything and fulfill all five of those roles. Because the only person to fulfill those five roles was Jesus, right? He was the apostle and forerunner in Hebrews chapter 4. He was the prophet that Moses spoke about according to the New Testament. He was an evangelist. He went throughout all the, 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 the town media, preaching, uh, repent for the kingdom of God is at hand. He says, for this reason I have come, that I may preach the gospel, the good news. So he was the evangelist. Then he was the shepherd. He said, I am the good shepherd. And lastly, he said, no, call no man teacher, for I am teacher. He was also called Rabboni, so, uh, which means teacher. So Jesus was the teacher. He was all five of those, but... He was Jesus. You're not. Therefore, when he ascended, Ephesians, he ascended on high, he gave gifts to men. And then it goes on to say that as we equip the saints, the body matures and it grows and it fills all things. In other words, what happens is we use our gifts, the body of Christ begins to resemble Jesus in, in all of those facets. And so what happens is, the body of Christ begins to fill up the world. It fills that Jesus-shaped hole. When Jesus ascended, he left the Jesus-shaped hole. So his, his method of filling the world in his own absence is through his church, as they begin to use these gifts that look like him. And as we operate in those, and as we as team leaders begin to equip the body of Christ and, and pull on them as a prophet, pull on them as an apostle, pull on them, kind of kind of like you're being drawn and quartered. You know, that was where they tied a rope to each limb and they stretch it, including your neck. That's a very grotesque illustration, but you're stretched in all five directions. Well, the body collectively gets that and it begins to fill the, the body. And what I, what I brought out in Church Zero was that the body is functioning like a paraplegic. You know, uh, we have a paraplegic body of Christ. If you only, if you're a paraplegic out there, one of your loved ones, I hope I, you know, I don't want to insult you or anything. It's just that our body, the body of Christ right now, if we're ignoring three of our limbs, right, then we're, we're hobbling around or maybe we only have the use of our arms and we can't use our legs. We're never going to get anywhere. We're never going to do anything without that, right? So what we need to do, and, 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 and here's the deal. What we need to do is we need to, to operate with all of the gifts that God has given us so that we're, um, you know, we're, uh, we're, we're filling, uh, sorry, I'm, 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 I'm looking at my sat nav at the same time talking to the podcast. Sorry, guys. <laughs> I'm trying not to get lost, but I'm trying to help you not get lost. See what I did? <laughs> oh my gosh. The church <laughs> Planet podcast. <laughs> we're your GPS. Yes. Yes. We're your GPS of church planning. <laughs> As I'm talking, I'm like, oh, yeah, I need to fill up the, kit, the, the tank with gas before I drop it off of the airport. So, anyways, here's the deal. Um, so, so that's kind of a general introduction. As I'm saying that, Pete, is there anything that kind of comes to mind that you think, 
all right, that's cool, but I know what people are thinking. Because you're always good at kind of going, all right, so you, you can hear it from, from their point of view. I'm making a lot of assumptions that they understand what I'm talking about. No, I, I'm, I'm not yet. I think I need to wait for you to, to start breaking this down. Right. So the reason we call it this leadership is because um, we've got, uh, look at your hand. So I always kind of point out that, you know, other than the movie where I saw the guy do the Kung Fu finger, you know, there was a really hot um, Kung Fu movie years ago. And the guy had a Kung Fu finger. That means he could do karate with one finger. It was kind of like Bruce Lee. If you've ever seen like the one inch punch, you know, um, Bruce Lee could do the, 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 you know, the one inch punch where he can knock a guy across the room by moving his fist an inch. Well, I saw a Kung Fu movie once where the guy was kicking everybody's butt with his finger. He's just moving his finger. You know, you stick your finger, you point up in the air, and then you bend it, and you point it to the side, and then you put it up in the air. You can do that really fast. You'll get a picture of what this guy was doing in this Kung Fu movie. Well, the fact is, nobody can take on 20 guys with just his finger, right? Kung Fu finger is a myth. And the church has been trying to fight with the Kung Fu finger. We just use the pastor only model. We just, you know, pastor does everything. I just, and I want to, I want to point out that I'm a little bit offended that you brought up Kung Fu on our podcast. Kung Fu. Oh, don't go there. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry. That's, that was the only thought I had going through my head. <laughs> They're listening. Stop it. So, so here's, the, here's the deal. Um, the Kung, the Kung Fu fingers a myth, and so is the pastor only. It, it's a myth. It doesn't work. It's, it's nonsense. You can't do what you got to do as one guy. But if you look, I call it fist leadership because if you put your fingers together, you gather them all into a ball, we call that a fist. And if you put all five of those fingers together, they pack a punch. And if we're talking about impacting the world for the kingdom, then we need to follow the New Testament mandate, right? The New Testament mandate was Jesus says, hey, if you want to look like me in the world, you got to use all five fingers, right? If, if for example, I only use the, the teaching gift in my church, then my church becomes a classroom, right? If I only use the shepherding gift, then my church becomes a giant counseling session. If I only use the prophetic gift, um, then my church becomes really, it, it has the, the, it becomes almost like a circus, right? It becomes about the supernatural alone. Um, if I only use the evangelism gift, right? Then I, my church becomes a stadium crusade every Sunday. And so what happens is, if you only have one type of leader leading your church, then the church takes on that flavor and it becomes lopsided. Like I said, it becomes a uniplegic or a paraplegic. Um, if it's, you know, shepherding teaching and the sad balance. And that's typically what we have because people don't believe in the, in the other three gifts anymore. And so what happens is, um, you're, you're, you're not only is your church going to be, uh, a distortion of what Jesus looks like. Like the church wasn't meant to be a classroom. I mean, it's awesome to hear John Piper and R.C. Sproul teaching theology, 
But if that's all you ever get, then you're going to have this giant head full of knowledge that you don't do anything with. And I know people argue, oh, no, good theology leads to good living and all that stuff. Then show me. Show me it happening. Because if I don't see an apostolic gift, and, and by the way, you can be an apostolic leader. And, you know, apostles, I should go through what each one does. But apostles, for example, they mobilize the believers for mission. Okay, that's what they do. They're church planners. And they mobilize teams for mission. They mobilize <laughs> believers. If you have that, he's going to get everybody to think like a missionary and to act like a missionary. That's what apostles do. That's what Paul did. Um, so what Jesus did, um, it's what apostles do. And apostle, by the way, is a glorified term for missionary. It means sent out one. So even if you're leading a congregation, you see your church. And by the way, if you're only being led by an apostle, your church becomes a mission outpost. And that's not enough for a congregation of people. You need to have this balance. So um, what, what, I was, what I was getting around to saying was that if you, have the, if, if you only have your church being led by one type of leader, not only is your church a distortion of, of what church was meant to be, um, it's a one-sided version, your believers are also going to grow lopsided. So if you picture the, the diagram, going back to the diagram of a body, it would be kind of like you're this scrawny little dude like Popeye and you got this giant fist, you know, because you're like, well, this limb is really strong over here. You know, you got a big like Hellboy, you got a giant left hand and the rest of you is kind of puny. Um, or maybe your foot is super big. You know, so when you look at the, the different types of movements that we have within the church, what's happened is the body of Christ has fragmented into these five different types of leaders. And many people have never realized this and have never seen it. For example, um, if remember how I said, like, uh, if you have a leader who is an evangelist, you know, I can think of a bunch of guys who are evangelists who lead congregations and, um, you know, you, you would have, particularly within certain denominations, uh, that would be highly valued to be an evangelist. And so because of that, um, they tend to run churches where every week the guy is preaching the gospel message, which I'm not saying is bad, um, but what he's doing is he's preaching the gospel as if everybody sitting there is a non-believer. Um, I always think the gospel ought to be presented every time someone preaches in some way, shape, or format. It's all about the gospel, but it's kind of like you start off and he tells the things about how people are dissatisfied in their life and how Jesus is the answer. And then he gives an altar call or raise your hand and everybody knows to come to Jesus moment and baptisms. And the, the believer who's, you know, I wouldn't say mature, but has been saved for, because uh, you can't get that mature under that unless you're feeding elsewhere. Um, he is sitting there going, gosh, you know, I, I've been saved here every Sunday for the last 10 years. And I, I really could use something different. Uh, at the same time, uh, if you have like a teaching ministry, you know, a teacher leading your church, then like I said, you guys like R.C. Sproul and John Piper. Um, we talked about that, but that could look like over time is you just, you, you just, you know, a lot, but you may not do a lot. And then if you've got a prophetic type of leader, um, the, uh, so you, you tend to have your word-based churches, your reform, particularly the, the reform movement is led by teachers. They're intellectual, they're eggheads. And then if you have a prophetic type leader, 
Um, and I've got to be careful here because I, I once defined this and, and some Pentecostal friends of mine were like, Hey, that, that was a little bit disrespectful. And I mean, no disrespect because here's what I'm saying. All of these guys on their own are less helpful than, than we realize, but together, right? Put them all together. Right. And it's like making a fist. It's going to be powerful. You need the prophetic leader, but the danger of the prophetic leader is if you have that guy on his own, then your church, you know, and those are the more supernatural guys. Those are the guys who want to talk about what the Holy Spirit is saying. They want to talk about prophecy. They want to stir up the gifts, which is what God has wired them to do, right? Sometimes they're about social change. They're never butt kissers. Prophetic leaders are always guys that challenge the status quo. If you think about the Old Testament prophets, that's how they were. If you think of the New Testament prophets, Agabus, who stood up and said, Paul, oh, I'm not going to kiss your butt. You're going to be bound and, and taken in Jerusalem and killed. Um, that, you know, that's not a popular thing to say. Um, so, you know, prophets tend to say unpopular things, but things that reflect the heart of God, um, things that are, that are God speaking. And again, if you just have that guy leading your congregation, then you actually run the danger of having, <laughs> excuse me, having your church become a circus because it's all about the supernatural. And so a lot of the Pentecostal charismatic movements um, have prophetic leaders. And that's what I'm saying about we fragment it. You know, you find people in word-based churches looking down their noses at uh, Pentecostal leaders saying, oh, you know, they don't know anything about, you know, the Bible or they need to stick to scripture and they don't know. And then the prophetic leaders looking at the word-based guys going, you guys, you, you have the knowledge of these things, but you don't know the power of these things. And, you, you know, uh, like the old saying, all, all word and we dry up, all spirit and we blow up, put them both together, we grow up. <laughs> That's how we reach maturity. So if you've got these different roles that when you put them together, that's where you make a fist. That's the power that God meant for us to have. And the enemy has fragmented us, right? It's like that parable where Jesus says, an enemy has done this. Um, he's, he's, he's divided and conquered us. That has been his strategy. And so church planning is kind of like the hope. It's the chance to bring these things together under the impetus of mission. And often what's kind of cool is the church planner typically, though not always, tends to be apostolic. In fact, that's usually why he's planting a church, because he's wired for frontline mission. Now, the way you know you're an apostle is you get itchy feet at a certain point. The apostles don't usually stay. Some do. James stayed in Jerusalem until they killed him. Peter stayed for a time. Um, but eventually they all kind of spread out other than James. And so here's the deal. Um, the, the apostolic guy is just wired for frontline mission. He will get bored once the church gets established. And so you can be a sending apostle like James, um, you know, but typically you're wired for that frontline stuff. And so normally the apostle is the team leader. And he brings all the other guys together. And what's really helpful about that is what unites people. What Alan Hirsch brings up in his writing is something called communitas, which is a, a unique fellowship under mission. 
it keeps people focused on the right thing. So the, the prophet, maybe we used to say this when we uh, would plant churches, I'd say to everybody, because we were this weird mix of people from different backgrounds. And what God was doing was really bringing together the different fingers on the fist in one place to impact this one area. And we knew it. We didn't understand it completely, but we knew God had brought us together. And I knew that there was a possible risk for a huge amount of tension and division simply because we all had different ways of doing things. I had reformed uh, Christians who were cessationists. They didn't even believe the gifts in the Holy, of the Holy Spirit were real. And I remember this one family didn't believe until their child got healed supernaturally uh, one night. And so, you know, these things, when we come together, it's so powerful. But I used to tell this group, I'd say, look, you know, we don't take our pets to war. All of you have your pets. Um, you're, you bring pets from your background. Now, we need your strengths. We don't need your pets. We need your gifts. But we're here to do two things. Number one, exalt the name and fame of Jesus. And that, of course, is what Paul says the gifts are all about. His kind of crescendo in his discussion of the gifts in 1 Corinthians 12 to 14 is no one uh, not filled with the Spirit says Jesus is Lord. So the gifts themselves, this is in the context of gifts, Paul says this, that the gifts are about glorifying Jesus, not the person. So we had to say, look, we're here to glorify Jesus. And the second thing is we're here to reach the lost. If we do those two things, that has to be enough. If you're going to be here, you can't come and say, oh, but my old church did this. Really? We don't care. Right? We're not here for you. We're not here for anything. So that's what an apostle brings to the team when he's leading is it's about the mission. And once it's about the mission, then all of a sudden the church can really get down to business to do what it's meant to do. And those gifts unite under getting the mission done. And Pete, you know this because you're from a business uh, thing. Really, that's what a good leader does, even in the business world, right? He, he brings all these different gifts together strategically to accomplish the goals, the team, the business, right? And, and, and God, these, these truths and principles that we find human beings discovering um, they don't have to be found in the Bible to be true. Just people, after doing this trial and error, have discovered that's what brings people together, is this common goal, this common mission. And, of course, that's because that's how God wired us to work in the body of Christ. This is a universal truth that God hardwired into creation. Oh, that's a mouthful. Do, do I get to talk now? No. So in the next part, yes. <laughs> well, I can tell you're getting ready for a series because you're in pastor mode, and uh, and that's awesome. That's cool. But uh, I, yeah, I know. I'm sorry. No, no, no. I'm just saying there's there's actually not a lot to comment on in that because I think you're really just laying the groundwork for why you need to have a team. Because I I know we'll probably get into this on subsequent uh, episodes, but of course the first question that goes through my head is great. Now where do I find them? <laughs> yeah, so that that's a big question. I, I know, so, I, that's why I'm saying I, I, it's probably going to be in a subsequent issue because, I mean... It probably has to be, doesn't We don't have time for it, but um, it is a big deal. And and the first thing I always say, and I'll just say this and shut up, is pray. Yeah. Pray, ask God. Because I was in the same boat, Pete, where I was like, hey, you know what? And I was, 
I was blindly groping. I was discovering this as I did it. So when people read Church Zero and they're like, man, you know, like it is an apologetic and it's a tight argument. If I do say so myself, but um, it, uh, it, it was because I always tell people I'm not normally smart enough to figure this stuff out on my own. I, we discovered it. And then we we're reading the scripture going, huh, that's what we're doing. So it wasn't like we read the scripture, exposited it, and go, right, okay, so we're going to follow this plan. It was literally, this is what God was doing in our midst. And we read the scripture afterwards and thought, man, this is what they did. Because for us in Europe, it was all that worked. The only thing that worked. Mm. And uh, America's heading that way, guys. What I'm talking about may seem new and novel, but in future, it's going to be survival. Interesting. Yeah, really, really interesting because uh, I I agree, man. I I agree that uh, where America's heading, um, we're gonna have to be thinking more like this. We're, we're gonna have to be thinking differently. Like I know this yeah. isn't th- the full direction that you were going with this, but you actually just made me think about one of the conversations I had this week with a church planner in South Carolina. So. Um, he reached out to me because uh, he he saw my my uh, webinar on becoming a, a consultant as a Bivo church planner, and he said a really interesting line to me that I hadn't really thought about, but it kind of ties in with what you just said. And he just said, "You know what? I'm seeing with where we're heading as a nation, especially." And he goes, "You know, you look at California specifically." He goes, "I believe that." Um, if your church is not willing to conduct homosexual weddings, you're going to lose your nonprofit status because I, I believe that's where we're heading and whether or not it's, Almost definitely. yeah, whether or not it's homosexual weddings or just about anything else. I mean, they're, they're basically trying to say that preaching the truth is, is a hate speech. Right. And to be fair, some people have said it very hatefully and spitefully yeah. and, and if not, you know, given the truth in love, um, and he goes, and I think a lot of churches are just going to crumble when they lose the nonprofit yeah. status. And he goes, I believe I, pastors oh. need to be bivocational because of where they're going, they're going to have to be. It's Their income's not going to be coming from the church. You know, I'm a big bugbear for the church being known for the right things. And I have often said that I hate the fact that the church has become known about things like Donald Trump, you know, being pro-Trump or that's what they're known for right now, the evangelical circle or the evangelical circle has been known for being anti-gay. But I really pray that in the future that the church would be known for being pro-freedom. When that happens, that the church would actually appeal to the constitution and say, look, we have never, you know, and, and the church can't say we've never been opposed to people having freedom for how they choose to live their life. Unfortunately, we can't say it. So what's happened is it's recapitulated back on us because everybody, you know, hey, we're going to stand against Prop 8 and all that and marriage. and um, But, you know, really, in America, freedom is freedom. And we have this thing, you're allowed, as long as it's not hurting people, you're free to live your life how you want. And really, to be honest, God gives that same freedom to people to live their life. There is judgment at the end, but they have been given freedom by God. He has not forced them to live 
uh, or mandated that they, he's given the law, but he has not legally enforced it on planet Earth so that people have to live by this penal code, punishable by death, in this current dispensation. That was fine for Israel, but that's not where it's at right now. And so if people would understand that God himself has allowed that freedom, that's a big deal. I hope that the church actually stands up for freedom and says, hey, you know, let's let's be the religion that's known for freedom and um, not freedom to do whatever you want. But that's a civil liberties issue. And the church was known for civil liberties under Martin Luther King Jr. And I would love to see the church finally stand for something that's actually good. Yeah. Yeah. But I mean, it kind of comes back to. in in a lot of ways, you need the team, right? Because you need people to pull you and stretch you and make you think and look at things differently than perhaps you have been. And I think that's where you can really start to grow and understand because we're all limited by our own vision, if you will, our own sight, what what we see, what we think, what we feel. And it's that interaction that causes us to really, you know, examine uh, our positions on things. And I don't mean, you know, and I got to be careful how I say that because I can just see guys now going, well, you know, it's the truth is always the truth and and it never changes. And you're right. OK, the truth is always the truth. But that's not what I, I mean. But like I look at uh, for years, I was on the board of the nonprofit apologetics.com. And that's all those guys do. Right. Is sit around and talk and discuss and stretch and and examine. And it doesn't make them weaker Christians. Right. It makes them better Christians makes them better at also reaching the lost at being able to share the message because they have a deeper insight on where someone else is coming from. And it's hard to do that when you've got, you know, a Moses model mentality of a church where, you know, I am the Moses here and my word is gospel. Uh, You know, it's, it's not the same as when there's that team leadership of people pulling and stretching each other. If that makes sense, what I'm even saying, man, I don't know if it. Yeah, most definitely. I don't know if it comes out right. So. Yeah, no, I agree with you, man. Big time. Yeah. Well, I guess uh, Pete, the question I want to know is: um, (laughs) Would you say that you know having to think about all these things for a teacher or even pastor that uh, when he's doing his job, he's actually able to, you know handle things like church finances, tax exempt laws. Does he have that kind of time or should he specialize? I think you need to bring someone onto your team that is built for that, is designed for handling all of the uh, the crud, if you will, of running an organization. But, but, what, but, but what if he does what if he can't find a guy like that on his team? What if there's no one that's math inclined? In his congregation, what does he do then, Pete? I believe they use the uh, utility team player, otherwise known as SimplifyChurch.com. Well, tell me more about them. What do they do, Pete? Simplify Church makes your church simply simple. They're Simplify Church. So if you need help with all the bookkeeping, accounting, payroll, IRS compliance, insurance, workman's comp, health insurance, all that stuff, website design even, you head on over to simplifychurch.com and you say, hey, 
Pete and Peyton told me you could be my utility team player and on my team. Is that true? And Josh Henry over there is going to say, yes, we can. Yes, we can. <laughs> Wait, wasn't that a political slogan? Didn't we just say something about politics? <laughs> yeah, yeah, we did. <sighs> so, uh, so yeah, head on over to SimplifyChurch.com. All right. Well, guys, this has been the Church Planner Podcast reminding you, in order to reach the ones no one's reaching, you got to go where nobody's going and do what nobody's doing. Thanks for joining us for another weekly episode of the Church Planner Podcast with Pete Mitchell and Peyton Jones. We'd love to hear your comments on this episode of the Church Planner Podcast. Visit us online and let us know what you thought at churchplannerpodcast.com. If you subscribe to us via iTunes and have enjoyed the podcast, leave us a positive review. The more positive reviews we receive in iTunes, the more iTunes will promote us to other church planners who would benefit from this show. This podcast is brought to you by the Church Planner Magazine, which is available in the iTunes newsstand or online via churchplannermagazine.com. Thank you.